Well, we're back. We're back. We're back in the room. We're back from a series of adventures that were basically us not sitting in a darkened room making yes. things, as we normally do. I can't actually remember when we last recorded one of these. Was it the AI one? I think it was. I think like it was our bong scormer of an AI episode. Yeah. And actually, we won't get into that now, but I've got more thoughts on AI since then. And it's developed insanely since then. But we'll save that for another time. Yeah. What's, what's kind of fun is that, like, I think our podcast put the whole issue to, to bed. I think we uh, finished uh, it. Yeah, but really, yeah. and thankfully, it just went away. Yeah. Just, <laughs> There's been nothing left to talk about. There's just nothing left to say, which is great. That's great news. Um, what I like about you referring to it as an adventure is that adventures... Uh, by definition, are not necessarily uh, delightful. Good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Sometimes we... people die yeah, or, or, or are in great peril. Indeed. And maybe financial peril is a way financial. to... <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, uh, there have been undeniable highs. Victories. Of last last five weeks. Indeed. Uh, there have also been uh, lows, mostly immediately after the highs. I, uh, so to clarify, I guess, we've been doing conventions. A lot of them. It's kind of... We're kind of past... This very focused, like, saturated period of conventions, which we would like to call sort of con season, I yes. guess. Um, but there are still more to come this year, but they're a bit more spaced out now. Yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah. so we uh, we have done... Well, I did one more than you. You did. But I've done... Because it's a competition. Four cons in five weeks. Yeah. And you did... Uh, three. Three in four. Sure. Yeah. Either way. I'll accept that. Either way, they're pretty big. Yeah. And I feel like we've had busy months in past years. Yeah. This one feels particular. This this one has felt particularly hard somehow. Yeah, like, and really I can't punishing. decide whether it, it it is literally more punishing or whether we're just older and we can't deal with things anymore. Which is alarming, isn't it? Because yeah. there's a bell-shaped curve here. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> if we've hit this point at this point in our careers and the next... It's 20, all downhill for me. Yeah, it's going to be it's gonna be pretty rough, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so in sequence, we had MCM London. Yes, which is the big one. Yes, the huge one in May. Yeah. And that's a massive show in the Excel Center over three days. Which technically is four for us because we go up on the Thursday Indeed. to do set up yes. in, in the Excel Center. So we're away for four days. We're staying in a hotel. Yes. We're working basically nonstop all day long. Yeah, very long days, like 9 a.m. till 7 p.m. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, relentless. And, and the thing about conventions and why they can be so exhausting is that you're selling. So you set up your table, you, you present all your work in the, in the most beautiful way we can. And I think we really did make our most beautiful stand we've ever made to date. It was our best stand yes, yet. Yes, it looked Very fantastic. proud of it. Yeah. Um, and then all day long, you are selling, you are you know putting a smiley face on. You're like, hey, you're doing the pitch. You do the elevator pitch over and over and over again for the books of people come over having never seen it before. Yeah. And you sell, and you sell. We our way of selling is basically be friendly, be chatty, answer questions, but never be that pushy. Yeah. And it was a really good show. Yeah, it was a really good show. It was like, an amazing uh, show. We always love MCM, uh, despite some of the difficulties that can come with exhibiting. Mm. You know, uh, which we've talked about in the past, I think. Um, but uh, it's a good audience. We know the audience. We know people seem to like our stuff there. We had uh, our best ever show ever last October we did which was fantastic at an MCM so like this was kind of like uh, disappointing is the wrong word it's almost like we go oh man this show wasn't quite as good no. as that previous one but also it was really good and it was like, also better than every other show so it, yeah. therefore you know it gravitated to second place where first place was this incredible like achievement last yeah. year and we were you know pounds in many ways away oh from yeah that. and it's a thing where we went with like we really, really thought about the stuff we were bringing. We really thought about how the table was going to look. We gave yeah. our display a lot of thought. Yeah. Which we always give it some thought, but we gave it like a load of thought Well, we've always, time. we've previously always had to plan for shows alongside our day jobs. Yes. So doing any sort of major planning, strategic planning preparation has, you know, buying specific things has always been really difficult because yeah. we're, we're, we're spending all week working and then suddenly it's like, oh crap, there's a show. And yes. so normally we would, you know, we would do our best, but we'd normally be on the back foot to some degree. This was the first proper show, big show, post being full-time doing our thing and we we jumped on that we yes took, we took an opportunity to make it as good as we could by by prepping and yeah. i think it was our best and i think i think it paid off and i think i think it did we got a 
load of uh, really positive comics. I think we kind of mm. caught, caught people's eye with how good the, yes. the space looked. Because this is a wild thing. Like, I, I feel like every show we make minuscule changes. Yeah. So it's like we slightly improve a tablecloth. We slightly improve a banner, whatever. You know, we yeah. tweak how things are laid out on the table, whatever. And every show is a is a sort of small step towards getting better. And every show we see what someone else is doing. We learn from that and we tweak our... But this show, we had a lot, and, and by, I mean, by a factor, a lot more, like, um, comments of people going, your stand looks really, really good. Whereas previously, we didn't really get that many comments like that. So we've clearly thro- crossed some sort of threshold. Yes, I don't, I, and, <laughs> I, and I don't know whether it's like it genuinely, it genuinely was like wildly better, mm. or whether like we've hit some kind of like we've like we've leveled up yeah you know like like you've done this and we're now in the platinum section we've, yeah we've done this for so long that something just kind of a, a switch flicked Ticked in over. everyone's brain exactly yeah. and i think it kind of is something like that because because i think like when you make small changes to something everyone goes yeah it kind of looks better but i couldn't say why but then when you cross that point of whatever that x factor is but this is what you know this is what all aesthetic kind of trades are searching for isn't it that x factor where their brand suddenly looks good to the point that people trust it buy it buy into it no one really knows where that threshold is but you know when you've crossed it and i don't know it feels a little bit like we crossed it at this show because of all these comments and yeah okay so it wasn't our biggest show ever but also we did take a reduced offering on the basis of trying to spotlight products and it's so weird because we keep we keep caveating it by going like oh yeah it wasn't our biggest show ever but like it was a really good (laughs) it was a fantastic show yeah yeah Yeah. and i enjoy it like i really really enjoy enjoy mcm yeah i think when we got to the sunday uh, when we got to Sunday evening, like it really hit me hard. I yes. think I was knackered, and my eyes went funny, which doesn't often happen. But no. like I was had like a bit of. So you thankfully drove us home. Yeah, which was but you driven us there. So to be fair, it was only fair that. I yeah, so really, home. you owed me. I, I did. Yeah, your life, yeah. my life. In fact, I can't remember exactly the point I broke. I think I broke a couple of times in that month because I'd done a show before MCM, which was a really niche event. Do I talk about that? Uh, <laughs> Yes, we could. We yeah. So it was a uh, Sonic the comic. Put a pin in that. Yeah. Convention. Yes. Celebrating thirty years of the comic. Right. Which was itself. Well, no, no, sorry. Thirty thirtieth anniversary of the comic starting. The comic has not been going for thirty years. As was about to caveat. That's yeah. very important. So it is a. Uh, it was a UK only. Lice, officially licensed Sonic the Hedgehog comic that, of course, kind of came out in 1992, I believe, mm. was the first issue, um, was weirdly influential. Mm. I think there's a bunch of people in our kind of age, people in like their mid-30s, mid to late-30s, older, slightly younger, who really remember this. It was sort of remarkably imaginative for what it was, yes. wasn't it? They were, they were They were landed with an IP and a character that really had very little. Yes. And they built a whole world and a whole law that was that isn't, you know, official Sonic the Hedgehog law, but it was officially sanctioned by Sega. Yes, and because, Se- and because Sega just apparently were not really policing this. They had, like, astonishing no. freedom. To well, do- this is back in the day, isn't it, of IP Wild West. Like, yeah. Where, you know, Nintendo were letting people do stuff with Zelda and Mario, which they regret now, yes. obviously. But yes, this was a similar sort of time. And it just, like... I, it was really influential for me. It's the reason I kind of started making comics. Yeah. I read this in primary school, loved it, made a cheap knockoff of it with my friends. <laughs> Ironically enough, which was called Big Punch. There we go. There you go. That's, that's, where the the ori- name, that's our origin That's story. where the name came from because you showed these to you and you actually liked the name and were like, oh, we could run with we that. We could use that. We could use that. Yeah, heritage, you see. Um, and that was a really, really uh, strange event. I, I'll, I'll be like... It was very niche. Yes. And uh, I think the pivotal moment is when I'm there as a vendor, mm. and there aren't many vendors because it's not a massively big show. No. And let's be honest, the real draw is seeing the celebrity artists who drew it back in the day. Yeah. Who were idols to us as children. Like and these, in the kindest yeah. possible way are just a bunch of old men now. Basically. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're yeah. all in their 60s or, or upwards, you know. Yeah. Uh, and... Uh, so I'm there selling Afterlife Inc. Yeah. You know, and a, a very nice couple came by the table. And the guy said, I, I want to ask you a question. He said, I don't want to seem rude, but why are you here? <laughs> and I was like, that's not... Oh, I'd love to know what your answer to this question And was. I said, I said, you know, no, no, that is not rude. That is an excellent question. And I said, the reason I'm here is that I, I wasn't originally going to come because I didn't know it was happening. And then a friend of mine said, do you want to come? And I was like, you know what? 
if I'm going to go, because I've got convention brain, yeah, I, I don't think I could go to a convention now not as a vendor. I'm not sure how you're supposed to... I don't understand. ...customer. I yeah. don't know how you're supposed to do that. But yeah. I know, it doesn't, make any, it doesn't make any sense. So I'm like, okay, you know what? I'll go if I can sell some stuff. Yeah. You know, and then I'll, I'll get to meet some of these people I admired back in the day. And if I shift like two books... There is another connection as well, of course. Yes. That one of those old men artists... <laughs> old men. Let's, I, I swear there's a nicer way of putting that. <laughs> no, but yeah. no, probably not. No. Has done some work for Apple, I think. Mm. So there is actually deep connective DNA between Sonic Comic... And after, I think. Yes, incredibly. So uh, Rich Elson, who was a big superstar artist back in the day, uh, I randomly ended up chatting to him mm. like years ago. Years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. God, God knows how I found it because I was like a... But I found his contact details online. I was like some snotty <laughs> university student. I just messaged him and said how much his work meant to me. Mm. And we just had like a few random conversations like back and forth. And he was astonishingly kind and gave me, frankly, more time than I think I probably deserved. And we just kind of kept like a like an internet friendship going. Where mm. like we weren't chatting like every day. We were barely chatting every year, but you'd occasionally just like drop in and say hello or something mm. like that. But he ended up doing a uh, uh, an illustration for After I Think Volume 4, mm-hmm. which is a real honor. And he wrote the forward for After I Think Volume 4, mm, yes, which was great. Indeed, yeah. And uh, also when I ended up writing for... Um, a video game project by our friend Sam, mm-hmm. developer known as Freaks on Games, when he made a game called Spectacular Sparky, which I wrote. Through my connections to Rich, we got Rich in to do uh, an illustration for That's the right. game, yes. which looks great. Yeah. So there's a kind of like there's a connective tissue there, and uh, I was going to go to this convention with Sam because uh, he invited. He said, "Do you want to go?" I was like, "Yeah, all right." And then for many reasons, Sam couldn't make it anymore. So I was now like, oh man, I was going to go to a show which I had like, I'm now going to a show that I had no plans on going to originally, and I'm going to be flying solo. But um, the the silver lining was I ended up being courier, chauffeur. That's right, chauffeur. Chauffeur, chauffeur yeah. is a better word for Rich Elson to and from the event, which was lovely. Yeah, because you ended up spending hours with him in a car. Because uh, uh, I will be charitable here. And I won't go into details, but I will say that the show had issues behind the scenes. Yes. Where, which were sadly very public issues because everything private went public, where a lot of the organizers had a very public falling out with each other. Mm. And amidst this confusion, uh, a few things slipped through the cracks, maybe, including like travel plans and the like. Including getting their uh, top headline guests to the <laughs> yeah, I'm trying very hard to be. Tra- I know, I know. I'm trying so hard to be diplomatic here, but um, yeah. So anyway, so the point is, uh, I went to a show which I hadn't planned on going to. No, it was a strange little show, but some good stuff came out of it because I got to hang out with some very nice people, yes. which was lovely. And, and that, legends in the comic industry, aren't yeah, they? which was really, which was really nice. Like Ooh. a lot of good came out of it. Hmm. But then off the back of that, we go to MCM. Then we go to MCM, which is massive, huge. Then, then we go to UK Games Expo. Yes. Now, this is a huge uh, UK-based, obviously, show for tabletop gaming based in the NEC. Um, three days. Three days again, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Three days. Again, with set up on Thursday, but it's not as bad because we go home in between each day because Birmingham's not that far from where we live. Yes. Which so, is a choice we make. So we... We, you we know, could have got a hotel. Yeah, and maybe that would have... We would have been less exhausted. But... Maybe, but then again, we had a hotel for MCM and we were still exhausted. Yeah, so, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? Um, and we would have eaten into our profits, obviously. Um, so yeah and that was a great show fantastic oh well that was our best ever show and that transcended and became our best ever show and that's remarkable to say because we only took Sandwich Masters yeah whereas MCM we had Sandwich Masters and two comics Mm. because we'd chosen and and our our previous best show in October we had loads of comics and Sandwich Masters yeah this time obviously it's a game show we're not going to sell comics at a game show but we decided to make an entire stand just for Sandwich Masters, because then people can play it at the stand, and just buy. And that alone, one product line, beat all of our records. Yes. Which we're very, very proud of. Yeah, because it went from being like, oh, wow, this is our best UK Games Expo ever, to then just being, oh, no, this is our best show our ever. Straight up best show Regardless ever. of whether it's comics, games, yeah. it was remarkable. It was, so. I think it was something like the best attended UK Games Expo of all time. Yes. Uh, it was also, yeah, our best Games Expo as well, by extension. It was just a brilliant, brilliant show. But this is what I mean about, like, breaking down. I can't remember when I broke. Uh, it happened, uh, I remember after one of the shows, and I really can't remember whether it was MCM. I think it might have been MCM. I remember just, like, staring at myself in the bathroom with mirror. And, like, literally <laughs> just looking like, 
like death. Like, <laughs> I, I, I just think like, good God, like you, you look awful. Yeah. Like being so tired, I could cry, mm. you know, and, and just kind of collapsing. And I think that kind of background exhaustion has taken like a while. Yeah. Still yeah. not entirely there probably, but it's getting better. I think so, yeah. Because yeah. like days after... Um, that you get back from the show, you've had you know you've had multiple lions, you've had you've had lighter days in order to recover from this insane experience, and you're still tired. Were you trying to have lighter days? Yeah, yeah, it's, you're trying. It, to. There's stuff there's still stuff that's got to be done. Still got to get done. Yeah, but yeah, like it's it's wild how long the exhaustion lasts. And coupled with everything, on the Friday of UK Games Expo, I got out of bed. I was all set to come to the show. Oh yeah, and I got a truly awful call from my family, uh, which was that my family dog. Uh, had to be put down yeah so i didn't actually come on the friday no very last minute because we set up together on the thursday came yeah. home and then yeah last kind of last minute you're like shit guys i'm not coming yeah which is always delightful like yeah. on top of everything to have to go and do that it was really really miserable yeah um, and that was going to be the one day we had all four of us wasn't it basically yes so. uh, no it was only going to be three of us lucy wasn't going to come oh that's right but lucy then did come lucy because, subbed in because yes, i couldn't that's right uh, yes yeah, right. so so, so again, like uh, th- right off the bat, like three weeks, two weeks, incredibly physically, emotionally taxing, Draining. but great. But great. But like, like you know, you know kind of, Comic yeah. Con, great for networking for you. But wonderful. Uh, MCM London, great stand. People commenting on the stand, and also proof that our new uh, product spotlighting system yeah, works. Just, just a good show. And then Games Expo, just an incredibly financially good show, and proof that Sandwich Masters has this incredible selling power. Yes. Three incredible shows in a row. Uh, amazing. And to round it out, because this is a year of experimentation, to round it out, we were like, we're going to try some new shows this year. Yes. So we did Megacon. We did Megacon in March. Which was powerfully underwhelming. Yes. Uh, so much so that we're kind of questioning whether we will engage with their brand again. Indeed. We're, 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 we're not saying no. We're not saying no, but the footfall was very, very underwhelming. And therefore, I think the marketing of the show was lacking. And also the anecdotal evidence that we are receiving from fellow exhibitors is that, well, it was worse last year. So this is a slight improvement. Slight growth. But also, like, we saw some exhibitors at Megacon almost in tears at how bad certain things were. And that's not great at all. That's not great. And also that there is the eternal question of there's only space for so many cons in a year. Particularly the large scale ones, the ones in the NEC or the... Or the Excel Center, like you could. We used to do some of the smaller cons, the hotel-based ones, the the, the little sort of Londony, crafty, almost zine yeah. kind of fairy ones. I used to do some stuff like that back in the day. And there's probably always going to be a place for those because they're kind of more local shows. Yes, yeah. But people travel to the Excel Center. People travel to the NEC for these big three-day weekends to, and they get hotels, and 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 it's a, it's a big affair. And I don't think there's that much space for multiple ones of those. Well, no, and, and also, like, uh, you, your time is valuable. Yes. You know... When and your money is. Whether, well. Well, yeah, whether you're starting out or you're more uh, established or whatever, it's like, you're going to be paying one way or another. You're either paying in money or you're paying in exhaustion. Yes, So, like, indeed. you've got to be selective in how you do shows. Yeah, both from a customer and exhibitor yeah. perspective. Yeah, yeah. But because, like, we're now... We have a bit... You and I have a bit more time because we're, you know, the way we work now, we don't have day jobs. So we're like, okay, so there's a bit of space we can... Yeah. We can jam more shows in <laughs> uh so we took a punt and we went for a completely new show to round out this insane month which was an anime convention yes now we've never done an anime show before no and it's quite literally called anime con yeah like it's, it's up up front anime con it's and very clear for those that don't know anime is is japanese animation mm. so you know the, the it's it's kind of a weird t- title in a way but it's become somewhat of a genre in a way which which you know isn't necessarily right or, or objectively true but Anime is a kind of story, animated story that comes out of Japan. Yes. And it's cultivated a very specific culture around it in the, in this country and in the West. Yeah, I think I, I, I just, I'm assuming that anybody listening to this has... In some way, some interaction. Or they might not, to be honest, they might not. And, 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 and this is the thing, like you do try to, you know, if you ever would try and explain what you do to people, uh, it's hard enough explaining comics oh, yeah. and the culture around comics. Um, manga and anime is 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 a powerful is a powerful culture in itself. Yeah, and it, it is like another world. It is. Um, and the reasoning behind our attending this is because I more than you, but we have consumed anime. Yeah. And, and manga. Yeah. I I'm a regular consumer of some manga stories, and uh, some of our work 
has taken influence from that stuff. Yeah. You know. Well, uh, some of the logic being is that if you go to MCM, yeah, and this is what a lot of um, it's often a criticism against uh, uh, um, against MCM is that it's not really about comics. No, it calls itself a comic con. Yeah. But if anything, it's a celebration of pop culture. Yeah. Generally, which is what kind of comic cons have become, and I, we're kind of acceptant of that. And I think once upon a time, MCM may have stood for movies, comics, manga. Yeah. I'm not sure. No. But it's like... Uh, it doesn't stand for that anymore. You can... If you go to... I imagine if you go to any uh, American comic convention, I think you're just as likely, if not more likely, to see, for example, cosplay yeah. of an anime character yeah. than uh, a Western comics character. Agreed. Yeah. But this is fine. Like, they, they all go hand in hand. And they've become these big, just big explosions of everything pop culture. And that means comics have a place, and that means like manga has a place, and that means video games yeah. and movies and animation and everything yeah, has a place. Because even if MCM, say, is just a pop culture convention, we love it. Yeah. We do well And we there. do well at it. Because I think there's this overlap where our stuff is generally quite energetic, quite colourful. Yes. We think it kind of connects with those audiences whether people are looking for a comic or just looking for something new sort of across the board yeah it's it's just got the quality of a pop culture cool thing that people would like so our decision to go to an anime convention while a bit left field was based on the same reason was not entirely no flawed and we were very much of the belief that it would be it would be a similar sort of experience yeah okay it'd be more focused on the Japanese stories and, and manga and anime but it would probably also have that same generic in the yeah. same way that comic con isn't just comics anime con wouldn't just be anime like 100% you're not going to get like a Judge Dredd comic yeah there but you might get might see some Superman might see, might some, see some Batman a bit of Spider-Man yeah you know uh, and because I'll, yeah yeah. bright is colourful and anime con was selling manga and that's not anime yeah <laughs> what we found however uh <laughs> is well it's twofold really isn't it it's like one uh it okay t- two issues here one would our stuff connect with that audience two is the convention itself actually good fun generally generally delightful yeah uh, i would say the answer to issue one is no no our stuff did not connect at all <laughs> and the answer to number two is that okay? So it could have been a great show, but our scuff could have not connected. However, on top of our scuff not really connecting with people, it also uh, wasn't a great show. And so much so that we actually felt it was almost a little seedy. Yeah, almost a little kind of like we'd scratch the surface of something weirder. Like well, we felt like we landed on another planet, which is fine. Yeah, but we also felt like that before. But it was just a bit. Like it left an odd taste in the mouth, kind of like a bit like, oh, hang on, this is odd. Yeah. I think, so to address your two points, because I think that's quite apt, actually, those two points. To address the first point, and this is, if anything, the smaller one of the two, is this idea that we we weren't in the right place and people weren't wanting to, there there was no crossover with what we were offering and what they were there for. And this, despite being true and objectively true, I still kind of object to it yeah. overall. Uh, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm just a sore loser. I don't know. But the point is, is that stories are stories. And yeah. comic stories, stories on the page, illustrated stories on the page sequentially. It shouldn't matter really what country those come from. They are all stories on the page. They're all comics. You know, whether it's a French comic, a Japanese comic or a Western comic, they are all comics. Yes. And truly, really... If you are a fan of more more kind of genre exciting dynamic stories, and particularly if you're a fan of comics, I would have thought slash hoped because I I embody this principle that if you see something that looks cool, doesn't matter whether you've seen it before, doesn't matter whether it's from Japan. If it looks cool, you might want to buy it. Yeah, and it's as simple as that. And that's really why even now I still think that's what should have happened. That's what that's why we should have sold at this show. The reality was that. People were only there, it seems, to buy things that they already recognised. Yes. And this is the sort of problem at the heart of this this deep, deep, deep blinkered fandom, I think, which is when you love anime, you only buy anime. You're not fans of stories. You're not fans of colourful, kinetic, extravagant adventures. That's not what you're a fan of. You're a fan of Demon Slayer. And that's it. Yeah. And I think you could say... Perhaps rightly, this is sour grapes. You're just bitter because your scuff didn't, sure. didn't sell. Maybe. 
Uh, and we sold a handful of things, you know, but it's not, we really, did. not really comparable to a show that would be worth our time. Not at all. But it's also like, there is an element of, it's hard not to get frustrated. Like, it'd be a different matter if, say, maybe our neighbour had, like our, our table neighbour had been selling an original comic as well, but that stuff had really connected. If that had happened, mm. I would eat my words instantly. Yeah. Now, the, we, mm. the problem is from our table, we could see two other original stories. Mm. And those other two were actually markedly different from ours in the sense that they actually presented themselves like Japanese manga. They called themselves original mangas. They also had no customers yeah. the entire weekend. And you could see, and this is the thing where this is kind of like it added to the frustration and the kind of general disappointment with the event, maybe yes. on more of like a spiritual level. Yeah. Because it was weird to see such a closed-minded audience, yeah. actually, that it was just this kind of like... You could see the, you could see the brain. You could see the cogs were. You could see them because yeah. our stand looked as good as the MCM stand. Yeah. So it would catch the eye a lot. We'd yeah. see people. There was there were hundreds, if not thousands, of people there. You would see them walk past the table, and their eye would be drawn to it. And then you'd see the cogs, like you say, spin in their head, and their brain is scanning for Naruto, scanning for Attack on Titan, scanning for Demon Slayer. These are all yeah. you know, manga titles, anime titles. And then their brain doesn't get a single checkbox from any of those. And so you see them turn and walk away. And yeah. we even had someone come to the table and go, oh, um, what's this? And then I go, oh, these are original comics that we created. Oh, right, you made these. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then they turn and walk away. Yeah. Because they're not here for that. They're literally not here yeah. for that. And I, I, I saw conversations. I saw people walk past the table. You see their yes. eyes. They read the banner and they mouth and they go, Afterlife Inc. Actually, they call it Afterlife. Because they always no call one it Afterlife. Being, they go, Afterlife no, I don't know that. And yeah. then walked away. Like, or no, I've never heard of that. Yeah, like literally. literally like, it's like, and not knowing it, no. never having heard of it, is apparently a problem. Yes. And, th and this is the wild thing, because people might go, oh, it's sour grapes, Nick. Your stuff just wasn't catching the eye and stuff. But it's like, no, my point is, is that like, if I, I, I like exploring stuff I don't know. I like finding stories I haven't seen before. If anything, I'm hungrier for stuff that I've never seen before than I am for stuff I already have. Yeah. That's kind of a problem. <laughs> but it, and I think it, it's... I, it seems like this kind of, this is the thing that frustrates me. And you see this, we've seen this a lot, but like it never was it clearer here. Mm. It's this kind of like complete disconnect in the eyes of certain consumers between how ideas are formed and how stuff is made. Yeah, so true. Because it's like you could have two books on a table that are each of exact same quality, ambition, Finish. imagination, color. Oh God, they look amazing. Yeah. But if one of them doesn't have a series on Crunchyroll, <laughs> it doesn't exist. Yes. It's like this kind of like, you can only get told what to like. Yeah. By this this narrow window of what's what's the latest, what is the latest anime yes. from, you know, this, this season's anime. If I you, like that because it is anime. If you're an anime fan, it's because you know what the latest anime that are good and are to like are. Yes. You know, yeah. it's like, I, I know I'm kind of putting on a voice there and kind of taking a piss, but it's like... That is kind of what we're talking about. Yeah. Here. I see videos on YouTube that are like the, the next season's upcoming animes to watch, the hot animes to watch in, in like, I don't know, quarter Q3 2023. And it's like, I don't understand why we're segregating. These are just stories. Yeah. Like, you could just say the next cool uh, TV shows that are coming out, and one of them might be an Apple TV show, one of them might be a Netflix show, and one of them might be an yeah. anime. I don't understand why, and we do do this, we segregate into anime. And the reason is, is because there are people out there who have self-declared themselves and, and made it part of their identity that they are an anime fan. Yes, and I don't think that... That, that had never been more apparent than at this show. Yes. Uh, I think I'd always kind of known it, but I thought yeah. oh, it, can't be, it can't be that egregious. It can't be that no. objective. Because it's, it's a medium, not yes, a genre. Exactly. And yet, it is kind of a genre. It is kind of a genre. Yeah. Because many, many, you know, I'd say 99% of animes are made to a sort of formula, to a template, incredibly tropey, follow the same tropes. And there are a handful of those that I like, and there are a handful of those that break those rules, and they're very rare, yeah. and I like those as well. But most of them do follow this cookie cutter template. And I think this is where we get to the second issue with the show. Absolutely. And, and again, like if, if our stuff just hadn't been selling, but the show had... Been this vibrant uh, array of exciting things. Of dynamic art, creativity, integrity. It would have been lovely. The disgusting element, and, this, and it, it really felt grimy, yeah. was the fact that if... If Trading Standards had done a sweep of this school... This I, show. Uh, sorry, this show. 
I, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that 98% of tables would have had all their stock removed. 100%. Like the copyright infringement at this event Blatant. was widespread, institutional, I would say. Yep. It is so integral to the community. The only, the, yeah. the, the predominant offering this show had yeah. was of people creating art of characters and IPs they do not own. Yes. And that was complicit in the creation of the show because they know full well that if they did an anime con uh, and, and, and truly abided by law, a copyright law, an IP law, then they would only be able to have vendors selling anime content legitimately. Yeah. And that would reduce the number of stalls potentially yeah. to about four, maybe less. You'd have Waterstone selling their official manga stock. You would maybe have, uh, you'd maybe fly over a mangaka from J Japan yeah. who would have some piles of books, but that would be hard to do. So you'd maybe get one or two of those. Yeah. Um, and then maybe you'd get like one of the big anime studios having selling DVDs on their table. Yeah. That would probably be it. Yes. Anime con purely exists and is predicated on the idea that there will be a hundred vendors selling illegal fan art of characters yeah. they do not own. And, and, let, and, let's, and so they had, the hall was kind of roughly divided in half. Yes. Uh, roughly. And so on one half, you had the artist area, where, which was kind of smaller tables, uh, all, um, uh, you know, the artists. Yes. Who, Subsidized uh, cheaper tables, people who uh, maybe are a bit younger than us. Uh, maybe starting out in their artistic journey, certainly their business artistic journeys, yeah. selling things that they drawn selling and made. Selling art and merchandise. Yes. So, and on the other half was kind of dealers and vendors running the gamut from uh, kind of like us, kind of like slightly larger groups. Um, more legitimate businesses, selling, shall we say. Selling art, but on a more industrial level. Yeah. Like the kind of like, we, we have a thousand prints of every character you could ever dream of. And then all the way through to uh, we're just selling merchandise. Yes. So literally, the it ran the entire gamut. There's something for everyone here. The entire gamut of copyright infringement. Yeah. Where it is, I have drawn uh, your favorite character in my own style. Yeah. And you can buy it. Uh, I am here with literally a thousand different prints, all in one style. Yep. But they are of... Um, Again, every anime every character under the sun, and then it gets a little more questionable. Did they draw it? Did they not? Whether they drew it, they also printed off copies of it on on an industrial level. Yep. It starts to get a bit more questionable. We then have the tables which are selling art prints, but in a thousand different styles. Yeah, which so proves that they didn't draw it. Proves they didn't draw it. Then you got the ones that are just selling official artwork. Well, no, sorry. <laughs> They are, yeah, taking a screenshot of an anime or taking a scan of a page of a manga and then they're just printing that out. They are, yeah, as in like that is quote-unquote official artwork from One Piece. That is quote-unquote official artwork from Naruto. Now, is it official? Is it officially no. here? No. It's no. not licensed. No. no. And then finally you have, um, we're just selling wholesale uh, Chinese bootleg Yes. Uh, uh, merchandise. Now, with the merchandise yeah. stands, there's a very slight chance that some of them have legally acquired, as a retailer, yeah. merchandise. There some, was one yeah. stand that very proudly at the top of its thing said 100% official merchandise. Okay, well, right. wow. So, Amazing. So, I haven't seen that. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. It could be a lie. Still. Yeah. I mean, who the hell yeah, who knows? Who's but all you'd have yeah. to do is you'd have to, you know, follow the retail channels, acquire it probably through shipping from China, uh, from the various, you know, suppliers, and then, yeah, you can put an RRP on it and sell it. That's legal. That's yeah. legitimate. There were, however, definitely merchandise stands that had maybe a plushie of Pikachu, and he looked a bit boz-eyed. And when you see that, you know it's not an official Pokemon uh, yeah. product, and already you're like, okay, well, we're deep in bootleg territory Or, or you get those ones where you're like, this is a decent enough product for what it is. Like, if you want to buy a handbag that looks like a Pokeball, yes, you go yes. like, well, look, it's not like... That looks pretty good. It's not like this is not a designer piece of kit, but it's like, it's 20 quid, it's decent enough, it's pleather. Yeah, you know that'll ask me, and it will look good. But then like, you're like, that wasn't licensed, though. No, so, it's clearly not licensed. But. So maybe someone set up an Etsy shop, and they're like, "I'm I'm the nerdy leather worker," and that's their thing, right? I'm the nerdy nerdy leather crafter person. That's their whole shtick. Yeah, and then they make uh, leather bags. And they make one of a Pokeball. And they make one of the Triforce from Zelda. And they make one of the Demon Slayer logo. You yeah, know? and it's like, well, hang on though, that is just you don't have permission to use any of those no, IPs. No. That's fan art. Yeah. Even though it's in a, in the format of a leather handbag, still fan art. Yeah. And I I discovered after the fact that in the official um, 
uh, exhibitor's manual, yes. which was given out to us, there is a whole section on bootlegging. Right. And it very clearly says that anything that inf- uh, uh, infringes on someone's copyright will not be permitted and only official merchandise is allowed at the show. Right. Which is so aggressively not the reality. No, they don't like, police it at all. Like, it, it's actually kind of embarrassing. Yes. Uh, because if they did, and if an anime convention actually police this, they wouldn't have a show. No, and because, they know that. Because there'd be nothing. No. There'd be nothing at the tables. And it, and for lack of a better word, I, I really can't think, it was, I felt dirty. Yeah. I really felt like I was like privy to this kind of like, I know, well, it's not a grey area. It's illegal. People, so I was yeah. going to say this because like fan art, it's treated like a grey area. Yeah. So all the people who were selling their fan art at this show, and, and as you said, like 98% of the stands were doing that. I, I imagine all of them haven't even begun the thought process of thinking whether or not this is a grey area, whether yeah. it's legal. They are literally operating on the idea that I can do this. Yeah. In, in as much as I could draw whatever I want, I could draw a chicken in a cowboy hat, I could also draw Naruto in my style yeah. and sell it. And and they, they are just so woefully unaware or ignorant or deliberately ignorant. I don't know which, but I think most of them probably just don't know yeah. that this is that this is in any way an issue. Um, the problem is, objectively, it is illegal. Whatever your opinions on it might be, whether yeah. you think it should whatever, be illegal, Yes, whatever you'd like. Yes. It's and very I, and different I'm, to... I'm sure there is... A great case in many ways for the fact that you love these characters and really the money you're making isn't affecting, you could argue, in any way the success of those properties. Sure. Okay. Yes. Maybe maybe I'll accept you on that. Maybe I won't actually. But anyway, it doesn't matter because objectively using someone else's IP without the license, without permission is illegal. Yes. It is illegal. Because maybe there's a, a philosophical debate to be had a social one maybe because i've heard people i've heard people raise these kind of like what if scenarios as in what if copyright didn't exist yeah as in what if like you wanted to go make a star wars product because you could yeah like what would that be like and it would it's an interesting thing to imagine it it is can you own an idea yeah really you know we operate in our world currently that that you can yes you can (laughs) and again this comes back to the idea of like why is it okay to steal from disney from Marvel, from Shonen Jump, why is that fine? You know, it, it, now of course, if if someone like did unlicensed fan art of our stuff, yeah, because we have a little guy. Well, this is where you turn it around. Yeah. Right? So this is where you can't have a principle without applying it across the board. Yeah. So if you gave maybe some of these stands that are selling fan art, they also have next to all the fan art prints and all the fan art merchandise they created, they have their own original story. Yes. Now I'm almost hundred percent confident that that sells far worse than their pictures of Naruto and, yeah. and Luffy yeah. and everyone else. So they have their own they have their own book. And let's say, for whatever reason, it blows up, right? And maybe they don't have to do their fan art anymore because now their original comic, which they poured their heart and soul into, genuinely, is now beloved by, by thousands, if not yes, millions, yeah. worldwide. And then people start doing fan art of it. Would they like that? Would they be happy that now, at a show, their audience is now divided? Because there's this guy, two tables down from them, who actually draws better than they do, yeah. who actually has this awesome, like he used to work for Blizzard or something. He's got this incredible, realistically rendered style. And he's drawing your characters. And the crowds you used to have at your table are now split, or entirely at his table, yeah. because he's drawing your characters better than you in the opinions of the crowd. Yeah. And now you see your money, you see your revenue, because you're not Disney, because you're not Shonen Jump, you see your revenue halve. You see your revenue drop to a quarter because this guy's doing your characters better than you. Does that sound okay? In this hypothetical scenario, <laughs> previous fan artist, does that sound okay to you? Because I'll tell you what, it doesn't sound good to me. No. No, I, I, and... And I, if you don't like that, you have to not like it for Disney as well. Yes. Yes, it has to protect everyone equally. Yes. Otherwise... And yeah. I know Disney don't need us. I yeah. know we don't need... Disney doesn't need me to back them up. I know that. No. But principally... The instant I had the realization, which I did about ten years ago, that I wouldn't want someone to do it to my stuff, I stopped drawing fan art. Yeah, but but yeah, and also it's kind of like you know, spare a spare a thought for the in this in this at this convention, the extreme minority of of exhibitors who are there selling their own IP. Yeah, yeah. Spare a thought for them, like you know, d- d- don't you know the people next to us? It, it felt like a real farm. Yeah, like a, just like a factory farm of churning out. Uh, prints of 
recognizable characters. Yeah, and so, they had kind of had a crowd around their table. And, and, and really, like, you know, what are the things holding back small, uh, you know, creators? Like, uh, you know, independent creators, small businesses, um, small press. I don't like that phrase, but small press. You know, it's not a question of talent. Because there are so many astonishingly talented creators out there that are doing it on their own, yeah. you know, and they don't have the resources that Marvel or DC have, you know. So what's holding people back? And it's marketing mm -hmm. and it's distribution. Yes. Okay, well, distribution doesn't come into play here because we're doing direct sales over a table. Yeah. So it's marketing. Yeah. So the reason that your cool character, who's called um, Big Punch Man, <laughs> shall we say, the reason that Big Punch Man doesn't have the market penetration that... One Punch Man has is because One Punch Man has the marketing engine of a multi-million, if not billion-dollar organization behind it. Yeah, you know, it's uh, Shonen Jump. It's got an anime adaptation. It's on Crunchyroll. Yeah, uh, there's video games. There's merchandise. There's merchandise. <laughs> yeah, it is everywhere. The world knows about One Punch Man. Yeah, but I showed up at this show with my new superhero, Big Punch Man. Big Punch Man. Yeah. And nobody's ever heard of him before. No, but it's really good. It's really Big good. Big Punch Man is actually and actually than the, One the Punch four Man. people who've read it, maybe three, yeah, uh, all <laughs> say it's better than yes. One Punch Man. Yeah, that's 100 of the reader base. Yeah. <laughs> all agree it's better than One Punch Man. But that's irrelevant because, of course, when you get to the show, the eyes are scanning, you know, all the anime fans, the eyes are scanning for One Punch Man. Ah, there he is. Bye, 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 bye. Big Punch Man? Who's that? Yeah. I've never heard of that. So when you choose to do fan art, it's not but like, hey, I'm just expressing myself. Like, why can't I? I just love this character. Why can't I draw him? It's like, no, you're effectively getting, oh, I don't know, 30 million dollars worth of market penetration and advertising for, for free. free. For free. Hey! Because, and so many amazingly, amazing comics and ideas will die on the vine, will never get noticed, because they don't have a marketing budget. No. And yes, that's inherently unfair, yeah. but it's also just a fact. We don't have millions of pounds to, to market our stuff, so we don't. We can't. Yeah. So we grow it. We grow it from the basis of literally purchases and word of mouth to word some extent mouth, yeah. alone. And this is what everybody's doing. Yeah. And this is why it's so hard. And this is why, like, you know, you, you see, like, a, a young artist coming up now, and they're like, oh, I've got a great idea for a comic, and I want to make it, and this is my dream. And it's like, that's, that's the difficult path. Yeah. It's like the easy... way harder. It's like, why, what's the incentive to do that when you could just be making uh, Naruto prints? Yes. Or, a million know, and one Naruto yeah. prints. Yeah. And sometimes it's not a question of quality. Sometimes the quality is great. It doesn't change the fact that it's illegal. No. Like, when we were packing up at the end we walked through the artist area and I saw someone selling very 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 high quality like key rings yes which were all just um, you know characters ca ca from anime, various characters. anime characters this is the wild yeah. thing as well is that we live in a world now where where the production of things like a key ring yeah. is democratised so yeah. incredibly previously the only people who could make key rings like 30 years ago were huge manufacturing companies that had links with Chinese factories and that was the yeah. only way you could make plastic things but now because of advanced technology and stuff I could talk to a limited run company maybe even in the UK, yeah. and I could get 30 key rings made of any artwork I designed. And they'd look, they look super professional. I could even package them to the point that they look exactly like the kind of key rings you'd buy in a store of licensed merchandise. So then the obvious crossover is, well, I could make Naruto characters. I could just draw my own Naruto characters. Yeah. Or even worse, I could just Google image search Naruto, and I could just download a few JPEGs of him. I could cut him out. I could make him into key rings, and I could sell them. Yeah. And people will buy them. Yeah. And that's maybe the worst part, the core of it all, is that people do just buy these things. Yeah. Like there was, there was a couple of, um, I think they had a couple of tables in the artist area and their whole gimmick was that they were redrawing Pokemon. Right. As kind of um, living creatures. Yes, like, I saw this one. Yeah. Like, like they were wildlife photography almost. And yeah. this felt like even more egregious in a way because it's like, it's one thing if you call yourself like um, Fruity Dove Art. Yeah. And that's like your banner. And then that, I'm just an artist. I'm TM. Fruity Dove. And then you go to the table. Oh, you've got to protect your IP. Yeah, TM. <laughs> you go to the table and they're selling like Pokemon prints and yeah. stuff. But that's just a Fruity Dove product. Yeah, but their entire brand and product was called like Pokemon Reimagined or something yeah. like that. And so they have two big ass banners that, that just say, say Pokemon. A trademarked word yeah. not belonging to them. And admittedly, they're not using, say, the logo. Yeah. And they're not using, but they're using, they have a symbol which is 
incorporates and evokes the Pokeball. But also, we yeah. know, because we've applied for trademarks for our stuff, when you apply for trademark, you apply for the visual graphic aspect of yeah. the trademark and the word itself. Yeah. The word Pokemon will be trademarked yes, by, be word mark. by right. the Pokemon. Sorry, yeah. So they will have not only the logo mark, but they'll have the word mark as well. Yeah. So and, you can't use that word, and, objectively. I know they say, like, you know, don't blame the customer, don't blame the audience, but they don't know. They're not discerning. And maybe it's, it's not their fault, because to some extent, because people don't they're not educated about how stuff is made. No. But if you're just like, you know, you're taking, you know, your little kid to his first ever convention. God, this is exciting. Oh, look at all this cool stuff. And you see a banner that says Pokemon. I like you're Pokemon. Not, you're not thinking, is that official? Yeah. Is that the Pokemon company? Well, they're selling it here and it looks professional. Of course it's official. How could it not be? They're at a, they're at a big show in the NEC. Yeah. So I guess it must be official. Yeah. And, and, it, and it's... But also, the, the question is never crossing their mind, is it? They're never going, is this official? It no. crosses my mind now. And there's been a few times, and at this show, I walk the floor a little bit, and there's like a couple of times where I see an image, and I'm like, that's really lovely. That's a really lovely piece of artwork. And then I'm like, but it is of Naruto or something from, yeah. from an anime. And I'm like, I'm not going to buy that, even though I really like it. I'm not, I'm not going to buy it because I, I'm just buying something that's unofficial. I'm just, yeah. I'm just, I'm literally just buying an illegal object. And what's wild is that, like, because we've seen how the sausage is made, we know, because we've been going to MCM for years, we've been going to, well, not animate, we won't be going again. Don't. But, you know, we know what kind of convention space kind of costs. Yeah. So when we see, when I see a table that has three times, like, a booth space, you know. Yeah. When I see an exhibitor that has three times the floor space that we do. Yeah. I can, I know... Because mm. I, you know, we've seen the invoices. I can estimate how much that costs. Oh them. yeah, we know how much that'll cost. And they're not going to be running out at a loss. No. So you have to imagine how much money they're making back. At the very least, they're breaking even. Yeah. At the very least. And the most egregious one for me was this absolutely massive school. One dude behind it, who was selling prints, like kind of call them uh, a a three, a two kind of prints of, if you can picture it, a close up, full color portrait so head and shoulders picture of uh your favorite name your anime favorite anime character yeah luffy uh uh saitama naruto, naruto ash that like your just name your character they're there like a full color uh head and shoulders uh close-up official artwork yes they like, didn't draw that no official artwork and then the background is a montage of black and white panels from their associated manga yes. so they didn't draw that either no. Now, now they collage it all together in Photoshop. They've collaged it all together in Photoshop. I could do that yes. with my limited Photoshop skills. Now, you could say, benefit for doubt, that's official artwork. That must be official merch. They've got the license. However, this dude was offering to sign them. <laughs> Good God. And honestly, that I, I, he, out of everybody there, may have captured my eye more than anyone. I thought that was honestly the most disgusting thing. Because he had a brand, he had a name, he had a trademark. You got a trademark, you got to protect oh, your you IP. Oh, you got to protect your IP. You got to protect, protect your, your IP. IP because of people like this. Yeah. Good God. Good. That's. But I could do that. That's a business model. I could go on Google right now and just like pick, pick your brand. What do you like, Superman? Let's Imagine do that. Imagine having the gall to sign someone else's artwork with your name. Yeah. Because that's what he's doing. Yeah. Objectively, there's Disgu no other way to look at it. Disgusting. I don't yeah, care whether uh, yeah. he is signing what he might call the the assemblage of those images into a collage. I'm sure that's what he thinks he's signing. Oh, I put these things together, which and they would otherwise these objects would otherwise not exist yeah. if it wasn't for the fact that I put them together in this context. So I will sign that for you. But what you're actually doing, mate, is you're signing someone else's artwork. That's yeah. that's absolutely unhinged. I could do that for a Nick Angel original. Yeah, like there's enough. I could probably scrub enough of your artwork from online to just do that. Yeah, no, yeah. easily you could. Yeah, yeah no easy, easy peasy. Yeah. yeah. There's not as much of my stuff out there as there is of a mangas, no. a mangakas, sorry. But like you could, you could easily grab enough of my. You know, stuff. with with manga in particular, it's probably really easy because the scanlation community. Yeah, they've probably all the already, already that it's all up there. It's all JPEG. Someone's already done the work. For you just right click, save as. Yeah. Uh, arrange them in a grid. Put a character in front. Just grab the character from Google Image Search. It's fine. Easy peasy. Cut him out because it probably wouldn't be on a white background anyway because it's probably official artwork. Uh, so just grab that. Oh, why did you Just Google uh, Naruto PNG. PNG. Yeah. Backgrounds already. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's easy. Yeah. Uh, put that together. That took maybe. 13 seconds to make. Mm. Uh, I'll sign it for you, friend. Disgusting. Yeah. And that's the... There was another... Um, and then that's egregious. So that's just kind of disgusting. Yeah, and that's then, arguably one of the worst. But then, like, you also get these very large booths. We were next to a couple, which are selling... 
what admittedly looks like original artwork. Yes. But it's all fan art and they they're they're producing and selling prints on an industrial scale. Yeah. So you would turn up with a stack of a hundred, two hundred copies of his one. Yeah. And the really bizarre thing was that is that like um that seems some of the organizers seem to be running that one. Yes, because yeah. we've seen them organize setting up on the on the morning of, of the setup day. Yeah. And then we saw them behind the table like selling these prints yeah. and stuff. So it suggests that maybe this con was born out of uh, this industry, I put that in inverted commas heavily, of selling fan art prints. Yes. So, you know, like, in our opinion, this seems very questionable. Yeah. In our opinion. I would love to know. For legal reasons. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I would love to know what would actually happen if Shonen Jump, for example, Shonen Jump's legal team showed up. Yeah. You know, because obviously the problem, the reason it's gotten this far is because no one has really ever on a grand scale done anything about this, mm. you know, and to some extent, maybe they're like, well, it's so small, you know, particularly when you pick like the artist alley kind of equivalent people who are selling like maybe a handful of prints that are maybe quite badly drawn. So they don't really represent Naruto, especially well, say like they're probably like, even if I sued them. The, the amount of money I'd have to sue them for, they'd never be able to front it. So they'd just die. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you'd just kill them. Yes, exactly. And, yeah. and so it's almost, it's like not a battle worth fighting. But then there's these bigger ones, these big dealers, these big stands that are selling hundreds of prints. And like you say, just copy cribbing images off of Google or whatever. You know, clearly this battle has never been fought. But what if one day it is? And the, and, and, and the sad reality is, is that like the moment anybody who actually owns this IP decides to crack down on it, uh, they'll be seen as monsters. They will be seen, they'll as, be seen monsters. as monsters. How dare you protect the thing you created? For ruining everyone's fun. We're all having a fun you time. Know. We're all destroying fun characters yeah. that we like. How dare you take that away from us? I just, you know, there, there's a huge part of it which is like, you know, it's just a bit gross. But then there's there's a big part of it for me as well. It's just like, I am an artist, obviously. And it's like, what about the... And I'm not even going to use the words artistic integrity because that just sounds like I'm overblowing my situation and it sounds pretentious. But the truth is, that is what I'm saying. Why don't you want to make something new? Why don't you want to take the opportunity to, to bring an idea that you had that no one else had before into the world? Mm. Anime Con could have been a place that sold four or five stalls that were selling official licensed merchandise. And then everything else there was anime adjacent content, original mangas, original comics that are designed in the way and the, and the stylistic and, the, and the, the tendencies of anime without ripping a single thing off, but feeling like they kept to capture the spirit of that. Maybe even original animated works on DVDs and things that people, animating studios, animation students have put together because they are a love letter and an homage. Seven String has a huge amount in it. My comic, Seven String, has a huge amount in it, which is a love letter to battle mangas and Shonen Jump. It doesn't copy a single thing, but it, 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 it encapsulates what I love about those things and it reconstitutes it and it reskins it and it offers it a new generational look. That's what this show could have been. Mm. And it wasn't. 